0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. Good morning. This is Fresh Art International, and I'm Kathy Bird. Fresh Art International is the audio podcast that I created in 2011. I capture voices and sounds at the center and fringe of art scenes around the world to produce an online archive of contemporary art history. Today, we're web-streaming live from the studio of Jolt Radio in Miami, Florida. I've invited five curators to join me in conversation about art with a global perspective. Four of these curators have traveled across time zones to be here for the 2019 convening of the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art. This is the first time in the association's 45-year history that the Congress will take place in the United States. Greetings, guests.
1: Hello. Hey, Kathy. Hello. Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome to Julia Draganovich, director of Kunsthal Osnabrück, Germany, Susan Caraballo, Miami-based independent curator, T.J. Dimas, professor in the Department of History of Art and Visual Culture at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and founder and director of Center for Creative Ecologies. That's beautiful, TJ. Daniela Ariado, by way of Chile and Norway, is now based in Berlin. She is the director and founder of Screen City Biennial that you'll hear more about today. Vanina Saracino is an independent curator based in Berlin, and she's curating the Screen City Biennial with Daniela. We're going to begin by describing the professional network that brings us together today and Julia will be the one to help share that history. Julia is a curator for contemporary art who's focused on time-based and collaborative art and new artistic strategies. You've curated in Germany, Italy, Spain, USA, and Taiwan and now you're director of Kunsthalle Osnabrück in Germany. You are the president of IKT, <laughs> Julia.
2: Yes, I'm the president since 2014, so it's my second term at the head of the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, which was founded 46 years ago in 1973. That was long before the time of social media, internet, emailing, and a group of basically German-speaking curators felt the need to meet each other to exchange experiences and to go to places um, and see the arts. At that time, the term curator wasn't even coined yet. Harold Seaman, who was one of the most influent showmakers, as they called it in German, (laughs) Ausstellungsmachers at that time, um, he called together a group of colleagues and said, let's meet once a year and talk about a topic that we think is really hot in these days. And we are continuing this for 46 years now. As you see, our main activity is creating an encounter between colleagues. Right now, we have around 700 candidates, people joining us uh, all over the world. We still create meetings. We are pretty much analog, although we are now web streaming this conversation. It's The need to still meet people in person, to spend time together, to see places that we wouldn't go by ourselves usually, which are hard to reach, and to dig into art scenes and topics that we think are worth talking about and knowing. It sounds a little bit outdated, but it's all about spending time and concentrating on certain topics. I'm really excited to be here in Miami now, although I've been here Several, several times, but I know that we have a program ahead, which is really exciting. It will show me parts of the city, that which in the last 14 years that I'm coming to Miami yearly, I haven't known yet, so it's worth it. It's
0: very cool, and we know, Julia, for those listening and members of our local team that's organizing this, we know you here because you've been involved in the art scene with the art fairs every year. So many people will recognize your name.
2: Yes, I've been in charge of the video and new media lounge of Art Miami between 2019 and 2014. That was an exciting period. And I just said when we were traveling here to George radio station that when I started working here, the Windwood Art District was far from being an art district. So it's nice to see how everything changed so, so quickly here in Miami.
0: On our way here, we drove by Winwood and Julia was quite amazed to see the difference. Yes, indeed. If you've got an idea now why we've come where we're coming from, Europe, Asia, Australia, and the Americas are the representations in this amazing network. And I had my first experience with IKT going to Norway two years ago and met Vanina Saraceno that time and Julia as well and many other curators that I look forward to seeing again this week. And that's what's so great about it. You're right. It's the real time, which is why it's so great to have you here in real time with me at the studio today. The Congress this year, we have a code name for it. And it's IKT Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and that stands because IKT is this great German... Internationale Kuratorium Tagung. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why we call it IKT so Susan Caraballo-Ombretta-Agro is here in the studio with us for a moment. She's the principal organizer on the board of IKT. And Susan is going to give us a little introduction to what's going to unfold this week.
3: Hi, everyone. Just to give a little bit of an overview, as Julia explained um, and you mentioned, we meet every year in a different location, uh, usually a different city and country. And as I've been describing it to everyone, because the title Congress is a little bit of a misnomer, for the delegates who will be arriving, um, that's our formal term for all of the (laughs) IKT participants, it'll in essence be a cultural tour of Miami. So they'll really get to know the arts community, artists, arts institutions, and We've also created many public events so the public can join us and have an opportunity to exchange with all of these international curators that are here in town. So we kick it off on Thursday, which is tomorrow already, at the Wolfsonian FIU with the welcome reception. The following days, the curators will be visiting different institutions, including the Museum of Art and Design, MOAD, the Little Haiti Cultural Complex, um, Dimensions Variable, which is opening up a new space on 79th Street, the Piero Achugari Art Center, which is a new addition to Miami, and many other places, Rubel Collection, De La Cruz, ICA Miami. And then on Sunday, we will be at the Paris Art Museum, Miami, where I have been organizing a symposium, which is the main public event of the Congress. The delegates will have an opportunity to see the exhibitions. And at 11 o'clock, the symposium begins. And um, TJ Demos, who's here with us today, is our keynote speaker. We'll have several artists that will be presenting their work. And then in other cases, there'll be performances and surprises during the event. And then from there, we had to the Bass Museum and culminating at Olight Arts in Miami Beach for the closing reception. The final, final event will be a um, screening of Bill Fontana's work at Soundscape Park, the post-closing reception, if you will. Right.
0: We have a lot going on. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I will just say the welcome tomorrow night at the Wolfsonian, I will be Am seeing a live podcast event that will be recorded on site. We have people coming from the Caribbean, from Europe. We
2: have a lot of people coming from Europe, from Latin America as well, thanks to a very generous grant system that our IKT Miami organizers set up this year. Um, We also have some people from Australia, Northern America, of course. Unfortunately, a few people from Africa.
3: We have a few delegates from Poland. Yes. Yeah. Lithuania, I believe, yeah. Right.
2: Lithuania, and, Poland. And
0: uh, Scandinavia, for certain. For I'll sure. see people that I met in Norway, and I'll be doing a second podcast event at the Riviera Hotel poolside in a cabana, sort of like speed dating or rolling podcast. Everyone will answer the same question. I'm really excited for this, and I think it's really important now to situate where we are. The context for this event for this Congress, for this convening, this gathering, is globally significant because, as Susan has pointed out and many of us do in our conversations daily, Miami is ground zero for sea level rise. As TJ pointed out last night in this fantastic seminar he's doing at ICA Miami at the Art and Research Center, sea level is expected to rise two feet in the next 50 years. You'll hear that a lot too, around here. And I don't know, it still doesn't go into the brain of many people what that means. We also last night talked about the difference of degrees and what that could mean. And I learned a lot about that when I was in the Everglades in residence in February for a month and learning all about the impact of one degree of temperature on the water in the middle of the state to all kinds of ecosystems that are going to be impacted and I think art plays a role here, and that's why it's so exciting for us to think about what that could be. So I'd love to share with you a Miami-based artist's work. Cara Despain response to our environmental realities and this sound installation called Sea Unseen, and you'll hear a lot of different perspectives on sea level rise.
4: They raised it from the swamp with designs on building the great American paradise, an industrialist's respite from the cold north, and a repository for their gilded wealth and shining dreams. The Subtropical frontier even had its own railroad, defying reason and stretching, with much difficulty, out into the salty sea, ending at the southernmost point. Then rose glittering spires, ever higher, grander and more expensive, Flatlands exploding and expanding in all directions. And they came in droves to live, all the while not seen. Making static the sounds that could tell them all they needed to know. Bridges, boats, mansions, docks. New trees, new animals, new sand, new islands. New fantasies imposed on old ground, foreign in paradise. Those before knew it lived below, moving up through the ground like the oil that built the empire. They knew to listen. They had been for centuries. The newcomers were deaf. They forgot that the ground doesn't
0: move. Hiya,
5: down here. I'm everywhere below. Where else would I go? The
6: ground, it doesn't move, but boats, they always float. When you're down here with me, you'll float too. The salt makes it
5: all float.
7: Besides, all the gas pumps are dry. Oh, I, I put something together several years ago, but it's not great. Yes. Cigarettes, propane, matches, water, dry food, flares. Oh, I haven't laid. Let me
4: See. Pretty soon, it was coming up everywhere, from all sides, from the sky from the storm drains and even people's front lawns. Where you're standing, right there, it'll be a lake scene. The planters in the plaza will be like mangrove islands. It was like the buildings were shrinking, an ambitious enterprise succumbing to the sea like Atlantis. But they didn't stop. Even though the edges were moving, they didn't listen. They chased them because, well, in the end, They were hypnotized by the horizon. They wanted to be close to it, though it would be their undoing. The newcomers, they always chase past the edge. It's too late.
7: It's here.
0: Okay, that was sound from... Carada Spain and a team of people that worked with her. You will get to meet her at the symposium, and Susan Caballo is here to introduce that. I want to give you a little more information about Susan. She's a Miami-based independent arts manager, producer, and curator, and in late 2016, she organized the exhibition The Future Isn't What It Used to Be at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art, and also the exhibition, let's try my Spanish, La Suspension de Deseo, La Vida Reimaginada. How's that?
3: That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> you know, it's a French accent in Spanish. That's what I call it. The Centro Desarrollo de Artes Visuales in Havana, Cuba was the site for that. And those of us at IKT, we haven't gotten to share that. Some of us will be traveling on to Cuba to explore the contemporary art scene there after Miami. Susan was formerly the Artistic Director at Art Center South Florida, now known as Oolite Arts, and she's currently researching and exploring the intersection of curating and directing while working with global issues, including the ecological crisis and contemporary social conditions. And she organized the symposium. Massive, massive effort to bring together the kind of conversation that she had a vision for, and I'd love for you to tell us more about it. The title is Articulating Sustainability, Resilience in the Climate Crisis.
3: Thank you, and I can't take credit for the title. Um, It was a a, uh, colleague (laughs) that came up with that, but actually, We had some issues coming up with it because the term resilience can be problematic, the term sustainability can be problematic, the term climate change can be problematic. So we were really trying to, especially throughout this research and in speaking with many of the people that we'll be presenting at the symposium, that came up a lot, which is why we ended up saying, resilience in the climate crisis, question mark. Some of the presenters that will be presenting at the symposium have very strong beliefs about retreat instead of the idea of resilience. Let me tell you a little bit about it. We will kick it off with some opening remarks by Xavier Cortada, who's an artist that has been working on these issues for quite a long time. Actually, the first artist that I became aware of in Miami that started tackling these issues, I'd say, at least 20 years ago when nobody was really Thinking about it. And he will also uh, incorporate a participatory piece with the audience. You will discover it when you're there. And next up, we'll have, um, as I mentioned before, a keynote address by TJ Demos that we'll hear a little bit from him today. And then we will have some presentations by three Miami based or associated artists Cara Despain, who you just heard a little clip from her piece, See Unseen. Then Felice Grodin, who's also part of the Alliance of the Southern Triangle. And Misael Soto, who is currently an artist-in-residence at ULight Arts and the City of Miami Beach. And we will close it off with a closing conversation. Um, we'll have some great guests that TJ will participate on. Stephanie Wakefield um, from FIU will be moderating. We'll have Lydia Platon-Lazaro from Puerto Rico. And Allison Schifani from University of Miami. And Merle Shriver Rice, also from University of Miami, who heads up a very important program on visual culture at the University of Miami. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be cool. All
0: that in Plus, three hours.
3: Yes, all that in three hours, and there will be several artists that will be doing performances, interventions, including the Climate Crusader, also known as Alexandra Sastera. But now let's talk to T.J.
0: Dimas. <laughs> I got to participate in one of the seminars last night, and I was so impressed at all the thinking, all the writing, all the art that's part of your practice. Tell me about this center that you formed.
1: Sure, this is a platform at UC Santa Cruz that supports and creates the possibilities for having discussions at the convergence of experimental artistic practices, ecology, and politics. And when I moved there in 2015, after living in London and teaching in London for 10 years, It was a really interesting opportunity to create a new kind of institution that in some ways parallels the development of what's called the environmental humanities in the academic context. This is something that's happening worldwide, but increasingly people are investigating the environmental transformation that we're living through from within not only the the climate sciences, but actually the humanities and also the arts. And UC Santa Cruz has a long tradition of being a leader uh, in relationship to environmental studies, uh, feminist science studies, discussions of science and justice. Donna Haraway, who's a a central theorist and, and writer, has been long based at UC Santa Cruz they're very strong in in those areas. But there hasn't been a focus within the arts, and I was really interested in advancing that discussion, and even to the point of trying to uh, institutionalize the development so that it could give more ground to new methodologies of practice, new ways of thinking, new interdisciplinary conversations, as well as support artistic practice that's increasingly engaging with really critical and vital questions about how we're living today in the midst of this profound um, and unprecedented ecological crisis.
0: Right. I mean, we see art often as an observation of what's going on and maybe a reaction, artist activism. If you might describe what you see as the spectrum of art intervention or the relationship of art in different ways to these issues.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. It's quite complex because there's so many different approaches uh, and there's a real um, diversity of models and experimentations that are going on in relationship to these kind of practices today. And and we've already heard an audio piece. There's work in video in different materials. There's socially engaged practices. There's collective forms that verge into activism and and politics. There's uh, people who are doing work within institutions to try to transform museums and galleries and and the way arts economy has operated uh, recently. The Center for Creative Ecologies is really insisting on the potential generative and creative aspects of art as a site of open-ended experimental practice to do things that aren't really possible in other areas of of experience, uh, whether it's in the academy or, or elsewhere. But thinking across boundaries in new ways and really open-ended approaches to imagining how we might live differently, beginning with shifts in perception, different kinds of relations to images and sounds, different ways of telling stories and and, uh, recounting experience, and also proposing different kinds of worlds that we might live in in relationship to the future. So art can be critical, it can be documentary, it can challenge current forms of, say, petrocapitalist organizations of life that's leading to this disastrous global ecological conflict but it can also propose new ways of living, different alternative forms uh, of being together or modeling experience or imagining future scenarios that, that's based on degrowth, it's, that investigates social justice, that brings together art and politics and ecology and all sorts of really, I think, important and, and uh, inspirational ways.
0: I think so, too. And you've introduced me through your writing and your conversations last night at ICA to... Two artists that I was super impressed with and asked to share some of the sound of their work today. And you featured their work in the Rights of Nature exhibition that you curated in 2015. That's Ursula Beeman and Paolo Taveras.
7: Mm-hmm. And
0: their project called Forest Law, which is absolutely gorgeous and so profound and thinking. Would you like to introduce the two artists and then we can talk about this particular
1: work? Sure. They're doing some of the, I think, most really fascinating investigations into um, the environmental circumstances that are found in the Ecuadorian Amazon, especially as it impacts uh, micro-minority communities that live there, indigenous communities like the Saryaku, uh, in this area that has experienced oil drilling you know, over the last few decades uh, that's been really destructive, of the biodiversity in this area of Amazon uh, rainforest, as well as really threatened the life ways of indigenous peoples who live in this area and live in close connection, fully integrated into this cosmological world of the forest. They've done so for millennia, far long before the conditions of colonialism came in and really interrupted their ways of life. Ursula Biman is a, a Swiss artist and video uh, researcher who's done all all sorts of work uh, all around the world. And Paulo Tavares is a Brazilian research architect who's investigated the Amazon in relationship to his participation in the forensic architecture research project that's based at Goldsmiths in London. It's a really interesting formation of research architecture where they're trying to invent new methodologies of analysis to investigate state and corporate crimes, often whether it's related to genocide and the destruction of indigenous communities, for example, historically in, in Latin America, and whether it's Guatemala or Ecuador. And also recently, increasingly, they've been turning to ecocide. So that's uh, situations where uh, states or corporations have participated in the destruction of ecosystems. So this is the context of forest law, which is situated in Ecuador, which is a fascinating country in terms of a place that has enacted the rights of nature within their legal constitution over the last decade or so. So they've granted nature, forests, trees, rivers, ecosystems, rights in the same way that people have rights or corporations have rights, even though there's been a lot of contradictions in terms of how this has played out in relationship to governance in Ecuador that's also strongly supported extractive projects. But Biman and Taveras' in Forest Law are investigating how the rights of nature might come together with indigenous beliefs in the animacy of their environment, and how trees and the forest and the ecosystem itself is not an object to be exploited for human interest, but actually has intrinsic value that's deserving of reverence and uh, spiritual recognition. And so rights of Nature has uh, developed within this, um, this community, for instance, of the Suryaku is really fascinating and turns into a double-channel video installation and archival presentation by Biman and and Taveras.
0: It's very beautiful, and it involves indigenous voices, but I'm sharing one segment that our mostly English-speaking audience will be able to appreciate with the sounds of the environment that surrounds The
6: forest lives and thinks. We humans are not the only ones who interpret the world. All living beings do. They continuously interpret and represent the world around them. Life is semiotic. Living selves are the outcome of the evolutionary process of fitting their environments. This is intrinsic to all biological processes that structure and give form to the tropical ecosystem. All living beings think. Their forms are the product of the cumulative past and predictions of what will likely come to be. They are an embodied guess of what the future holds. All simiosis, as it grows and lives, creates futures. Living selves don't exist firmly in the present. They are just coming into life in the flow of time. It is not just the past that comes to affect the present. The futures, too, bear on the present. The forest is a vast, future-proliferating ecology of thinking selves.
0: a gorgeous piece. I just want to dwell in it. I just want to watch it forever. It's it's beautiful and it's deep. <laughs> and the idea that behind this nature is this petrocapitalism is the major threat to it. We're going to be talking tomorrow evening with Nuno Sacramento, who did a project on deep mapping in Scotland that also explores the layers that are being added to the land or extracted from the land that are altering our experience of the world. The other artist that I found really interesting is Oliver Ressler. He's Austrian, and you invited him to Santa Cruz to the Center for Creative Ecologies, Mm -hmm. and that's where he spoke about everything's coming together while everything's falling apart, a film series that he's been working on for years. His films address climate governance and its challenges and failures. And I, I chose him because of the artist-activist intervention, grassroots movements that are represented in his work. Do you want to talk a little bit more about him? And then we'll hear Code
1: Rude? Sure. He's worked for a long time now, investigating social justice-based politics, uh, increasingly in relationship to forms of ecology and climate justice. And what I think is really crucial about his work and also Ursula and Paolo's that we were just listening to these are artists who are sensitive to movements beyond say anthropocentrism, which lots of art historically has been focused on, you know investigating all the subtleties and details of human based experience, but really ignoring other areas of the world or the non human realm or the more than human worlds that surround us and that we depend on so So Ressler and uh, Biman and Tavares and these pieces, and especially the clip that we heard on Forest Law, that bioacoustic ecology that's so prominent in the background, right? They're really attempting to give voice to all those different... Uh, realms of experience and modes of being beyond the human. But there's also at the same time a focus on human-based politics, on petrocapitalism, on forms of social and political and economic injustice that are creating the conditions of environmental breakdown that we're experiencing. And I I find from my work and my research, that's really crucial. That's really an important intervention within practices, within the cultural sphere that might risk a move beyond the human, where there is a corresponding depoliticization or, or lack of focus on uh, what's happening economically, politically, because we know we're not only living in the midst of an ecological crisis that is uh, completely life-transforming, but it's also political and economic in terms of the rise of authoritarian capitalism and these these populist right-wing movements. Even uh, at their extremes, enter into forms of uh, eco-fascism, where the belief in organic purity mirrors ethno-nationalism or xenophobic anti-migration politics. Wrestler's work, and this is the case within the video trilogy that you're going to play a clip from, is investigating different sites where people, communities, often activist communities like the Zapatistas in Chiapas, are attempting to invent life on completely different grounds that is both sensitive to a non-anthropocentric way of living with the environment in positive ecological ways, but also ways that are dedicated to social justice and different ways of organizing life economically and politically.
0: This one is a civil disobedience action in the port of Amsterdam in June 2017, a blockade of Europe's second largest coal port, drawing a red line against the fossil capitalist infrastructure facility. And this is a wild piece, too. The protesters up on a crane and running across fields and storming the mining site. Pretty wild. So let's listen to Oliver Ressler's Code Rude.
5: A few hundred climate avengers punched on the conveyor belts, locked onto the cranes, shut Amsterdam's terminal coal traffic down. cold room cold bread, cold weather is back we've lost a lot and now we know everything climate is already always crisis and we're going to lose more no further research needed just means of maintaining loss and Apocalypse as two different things. Cut a red line through the fences, the death stock enclosures, the factory farms of blood and fire. A cut that will never be made if not with our own bloody bodies and the twitching arteries of common minds. No symbolic scalpel, no angle grinder app can carve up the fossils of capital. Only social disobedience, transnational commotion of uncivil movements is an incisor accurate enough. Time is running out for chances of escaping.
0: You just heard an excerpt of Code Rude by Oliver Ressler, he shared with me to share with you today. And we are able today to introduce two curators, Daniela Ariado and Vanina Saraceno, who are here in Miami with IKT as well. They will be sharing some of the work from the next iteration, the 2019 Screen City Biennial that will take place in Norway coming up in the fall. And we're super excited to have the opportunity to give you the blast off you want an international audience to hear about what you have coming up. Maybe a lot of us in the room will make our way over to celebrate with you. Daniela is the director and founder of Screen City Biennial, and director of Art Republic, a media art platform in Norway. And what I see you involved in the most is cinematic experiences and the audiovisual. You're a member of the Norwegian Association of Curators, and you're based in Berlin since 2012. Welcome to Fresh Art International.
7: Thank you, Katie. This is this is uh, super nice uh, to be both in Miami, but also here with you. It's uh, very inspiring. I met Vanina in... Norway, and it was
0: so great to know that she was headed this way and we'd get to spend time together, I immediately invited her to come on the show. And she's an independent curator and film programmer, currently based in Berlin, founder of an international curatorial project about art and cinema. So logically, you two would find each other Indeed. and be working together. I'd like for you, Daniela, to just tell us about what Screen City Biennial is and when it began, what, what's shifting with the history of it
7: now. So, yeah, Screen City started uh, as a, actually an intervention in public space in the city of Stavanger in 2011. For those who don't know where Stavanger is, it's a city in Norway in the southwest coast, also known as the headquarters of oil in the north or in Europe, actually. I grew up there, so it was quite natural to start my projects there while I was studying. So we did the Screen City in public spaces. We saw that there was a need for a platform, there was a need for working in public space and give this experience in everyday life for the people and work with video and media art, uh, with the digital. Started uh, in 2013, we did the first edition as a festival, or more or less focusing more and more on moving image and the expanded moving image and how, what we can do in public space with this with this medium and working around challenging topics, uh, not being afraid of, of doing that because we were working in public space and we saw it as a, as an opportunity to discuss and explore. Change until 2017 and then it became a biannual. I've had uh, co-curators and colleagues with me all along the way for the different editions. Tanya Toft-Ag, a Danish curator and researcher, we decided to build it up as a biennial and have it over a longer period of time to be commission works and be able to work more close with the architecture, and but also with the inhabitants, eh, with the local community and be able to think more process-related work and over time. So in 2017, we did that, exploring the topic of migration. And then in uh, this uh, year 17th to the t- 30th of October, we launch Ecology, Lost, Found and Continued, edition with Vanina Sarasino.
0: Vanina, tell us the importance of Norway as a context for this biennial. Not only Norway, but I would say the importance of
8: Stavanger as a city to create a biennial on ecology on, uh, on this topic. Stavanger is the headquarters of the oil business in, uh, in Norway. This makes Stavanger a crucial point of reflection for us to also to bring, to invite artists there to know the place and engage with the discussion from an environmental, from an ecological perspective. And this is what we are doing. We are, uh, with the biennial, we are looking into uh, those knowledges that have been completely neglected by the Western societies. And in this, uh, we look into not only the indigenous perspective, for example, but also the non-human Perspective, the animal perspective, the perspective of plants, for example. Here I'm saying this because I want to bridge to the two works that we will present. We are engaging with many new commissions. I know there is no time for us to speak about all of them, but we have, for example, a new commission to Erica Ramirez. He's a Chilean artist that will engage into a research on deep sea mining. And actually, this will be the second iteration. It's a new commission, but it is number two, the part number two of a project called Tidal Pulse. And in this project, the artist, what he tries to do is engaging people into a reflection on the future from uh, the perspective of ecology.
0: So we have a sound from Enrique. Do you want to describe what Tidal Pulse actually was as a sound art piece? Absolutely.
8: First of all, the piece is happening, as we said, as all the rest of the biennial, in public spaces. And this is happening on a boat. And it is a boat that travels from the city to the fjord of Stavanger. It is a very dramatic landscape. It is a landscape that it's soon doomed to disappear, most probably. And this is the way we want to engage people from the perspective of expanded cinema. So extracting the elements of the cinematic experience, bringing it back to the land. So including into the work already the landscape, the nature that is surrounding. And this project is a, research on the perception of the future from the Sami perspective, but also from the perspective of people in the oil business. And it's done through interviews, through these people that are merging the sound. I see. uh, So
0: Sami being the, the indigenous people of Scandinavia. Correct.
6: The heart in the
7: human organism you know, that is, quite important organ, the most important one. maybe say,
1: because the brain doesn't work. One of the major changes is the, the, the warmer climate in the is leading to uh, a lot of rain in the wintertime. one of the most obvious things that one would uh, notice. Well, of course that and the fact that the glaciers are retreating, uh, exposing more and more land surface. uh, I think the really dramatic thing with regards to ecology and the ecosystem is the fact that uh, there's an
6: increasing incidence of rain falling in the middle of winter, any time during
8: winter. I think there's a lot of things we could have done better in the past um, because we didn't do it. We are now in a, in, a, in a really much tougher
6: situation than what we needed to be if we had just kind of listened to the, to the advices and, and listened to the science 30 years ago.
0: was really interesting. That was Enrique Ramirez. And Vanina, you want to tell us a little more about this piece?
8: I just wanted to add that this piece in order for people to be engaged, to see this piece, they have to engage in a, in a three hour travel. So it is not a piece that you can experience just in quickly in one minute and then leave. But you really have to engage with this. And this is the reason why we chose this piece to put this piece on a boat. Because in a way it is important to give time to understand what's the discussion and the depth of the research behind all of this. Another important thing is that the sound is not a random sound, but Enrique uh, puts custom-made microphones on the fuel, on the engine of the boat, and all the sound is retrieved and uh, modified from this uh, fuel-powered, uh, hard-polluting the, uh, the ocean and polluting the waters, because we are polluting the waters the moment.
0: We also do this experience. There's another group of Sound artists, I would call them, called Band of Weeds. I love the name of the band.
8: What the Band of Weeds does, and also the
0: reason of the name, why are they called
8: Band of Weeds, is because they do not want to take the credit of this uh, music that they produce, of the sound that they produce, but they want to give it back to the plants, in a way. What they do is they transform the vital sign of plants into sounds. And somehow they bring to life what we cannot hear with our ears, with our senses, what we cannot perceive the sound that plants are doing. They are reworking it and making it audible for the audience. And uh, they will perform live in Savanger during the biennial, during the opening week of the biennial, which will be from the 17th to the 20th of October this year.
0: That she will be showing you some images from their... Lab where they work, so you can see what they do. Although the people are not visible, we know they're there. <laughs> so, this piece is called We're going to listen to an extract from Waiting for
8: the Extinction. <laughs>
0: Okay, that was Root Movement with Band of Weeds. And if you want to see them perform, you have to go to Stavanger, Norway this fall and participate in opening events of the Screen City Biennial. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you, Cathy, for inviting us. Yes, thank you. absolutely. Our conversation today has explored the potential for art to play diverse roles that impact public perception on global issues. We've introduced you today to individuals involved in the annual gathering of the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, also known as IKT, meeting in Miami this week from the 11th to the 14th of April. In the studio, Julia Draganovich, Susan Caraballo, TJ Dimas. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. Daniela Ariado. Thank you, Katie. And Vanina Saracino. Thank you. It's been fantastic having you, and I look forward to sharing these next few days with you in Miami. Visit IKT on Facebook to find out more about the events.
3: Yes, and more on IKT is at IKT S I T E dot O-R-G.
0: This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. We are web-streaming this program on Jolt Radio from the studio in Miami. Visit freshartinternational.com to explore more than 200 episodes in our oral history project. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, rate, and review Fresh Art International anywhere you go for podcasts. Go to our website and click on the red support button to support our stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.